Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. It's an honor to be with you. I want to thank Pastor Jurgen and Leanne and Pastor Matt and Lauren. And, and it's been a great week, uh, both here and in San Diego. And, and if you haven't, I think you can get all the, uh, the, the, the sermons and all the messages on, from the church. There's just such a great variety of speakers. And, but what God's doing at Awakened Church is really special. And uh, we want to, whenever God allows us to participate in something special, we want to make sure that we appreciate it. Sometimes we, we grow too familiar with things that are really beautiful and special. We want to be deeply grateful and, and, uh, and show our humble thanks to God for what he's doing and allowing us to be a part of. And it's very exciting for Salt Lake City what God's done already in this. Um, just a, an explosion of a quick and accelerated beginning. And we're just catching up. There's so much God has for this valley. What a beautiful area. My first time here and just already fallen in love with the beauty. You guys got mountains and trees. And we don't have trees in Phoenix. And a river. I think I saw a river. And so just just this beautiful. And we thank God for all he's doing. I want to show you my little tribe of maidens. We've been, uh, beautiful Mary and I, <clears throat> that's my wife, beautiful Mary next to me. We've been married 43 years, and those are our, behind us, four kids and their spouses, and around us are our seven grandkids, or as I call them, the super seven. And uh, we're, we're excited in November it's to become the awesome eight. We have one, one more coming, so it's great. When your kids turn out good, I, I give all the credit to Jesus and Mary, not that Mary, my Mary, for <laughs> how wonderful the kids turned out. And especially, I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit of our story about God's faithfulness to watch over us. And I'm going to be sharing a message, kind of, a, I began this yesterday at, uh, on campus here about what God's doing, I think, really, a, a beautiful move of God a, a, as a part of the assignment of Awakened Church. So it's Rise of the Giant Slayers, part two. And we're going to talk about that today. Let me begin with something funny. If you, wanna, if you, want, if you like humor and prophecies, uh, Sunsets and grand, My Grandkids, that's, that's all my uh, social media is. Uh, a really serious prophecy, and the next day something really stupid. <laughs> I had one of my funny videos get six million views last week, and I, it, it made me laugh. Uh, yeah, anyways. Um, heard about this family that had identical twin sons, and they were so physically similar. No one could tell them apart but mom and dad. But their, the boys' personalities were opposite. One of the boys was a pessimist, and the other was an optimist. 
And when they turned at 10 for their birthday, their father decided to try an experiment. He went out and bought every imaginable toy a 10-year-old boy would want, every new electronic toy and a new bicycle, and wrapped it up and put all these gifts into the pessimist twin son's room. And then the dad went out and got a truck full of horse manure and dumped it into the optimist twin son's room. <laughs> Later on that afternoon, he heard someone bitterly crying and he turned down the hallway and walked into the bedroom of the pessimist son, and he was sitting on the floor with all the open toys around him. And the father said, son, why are you so upset? And the boy said, daddy, someday all these toys are going to break, and now all my friends will be jealous of me, and look at all the batteries I have to buy. And he went back to bitterly crying. And the father left the room and crossed the hall to the optimist twin son's room. And to his surprise, he saw him jumping up and down in the middle of the horse manure. <laughs> and he said, son, why are you so happy? And the boy said, daddy, there's got to be a pony in here someplace. <laughs> Appreciate the pastors laughing at the same joke, both services. Thank you. As the Apostle Paul said, we know all things work together for the good of them that love God, called by his purpose. I posted it this morning when I woke up early, and I, I just said, thank you, by the way. The church put me in a very nice hotel, the Grand American, I think it's called, and just beautiful. I felt like a big shot, and uh, look at it, just lovely. I was, my wife isn't with me. She's, she had the option of coming hear me preach six times in three days. Or going to see our kids, two of our kids and their spouses live in Laguna Beach, California. So she said, I love you, but it's no contest. I'm going to see the kids. <laughs> and one of our grandbabies, Rosie, uh, Rose Moon. Uh, and we're, you know, I'm just deeply grateful for our family and all God's done. I'll, I'll share a testimony about that um, in just a minute. Because our, our God is determined to write good endings to our story. So today I, I posted on my social media, if it's not good yet, it only means God's not done yet. So you can't look in the oven while the cake's still baking and say, oh, it's a failure. You have to give God the chance to write a good ending to your story. It's not good till God says, it's good. It's not over till God says it's good. Okay, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17 gives us the very famous story. Even people that don't go to church know about David and Goliath. It was fun when I was in Israel about a decade ago. The front page of the Jerusalem Post had a picture and a headline. They just found a piece of pottery. They had dug down 20 feet on the ground, and it said, Goliath of Gath on this ancient piece of pottery, very cool. Chapter 17, one, the Philistines gathered their armies to battle and they were fighting in Judah against Israel. And Saul and his army, the men of Israel, had gathered together and they were fighting each other. Verse three says, the Philistines were on one side of a mountain, then there was a valley and on the opposite mountain was the Israeli army, the army of Israel. And they would come down and fight in the valley and then retreat back to their camps on the mountainside so they could have a view of each other. 
So that's going on, but then the Bible tells us there was more going on. Verse 4 says, a champion. We would call this a stronghold. A controlling demonic force that brings hell's agenda of oppression into the hearts of men. A champion went out from the Philistines whose name was Goliath. Goliath's name means to strip as a captive, means to capture someone like in slavery and then strip them, means to strip naked, to exile, to spend the winter. It's a name that speaks of the oppressive work of a really ruthless conqueror. So here's Goliath, who is really, his name really was a symbolic truth of who he was. He was an undefeated champion in battle. And he was, the Bible says, six cubits in a span. We think that's about 11 feet, four inches. So I'm six foot three, almost twice of me, and uh, with more muscle. Yeah, I mean, thank you, thank you, thank you. Bunch of liars in the foot row. But I love it, okay. Had a bronze helmet on his head and his, he was armed with a coat of mail that weighed 126 pounds. So his, his bronze kind of breastplate, protective, weighed 126 pounds. He had a javelin in his hand and the tip of the spear, the spearhead weighed 600 shekels, weighed 16 pounds. So he, the javelin's like a log, because hands would be massive. And he has this log and down, you know, 10 feet, or is a 16 pound spearhead. Think of the strength that would take to not just hold that, but to throw that. So he stood every day, morning and afternoon, twice a day for 40 straight days. And he raised his voice and began to scream into the, the army of Israel, why have you come out to battle? Am I not a Philistine? Don't you Christians claim to be people of Jesus? Don't you claim to have heaven behind you? Aren't you the people of Saul? There was all kinds of theology embedded in that. He was saying, your religion, you claim is the only religion, but we're going to defeat you today. And he's intimidating them, defying the God of Israel. And he said this, choose a man, a champion, let him come down and fight me. If he's able to defeat me and kill me, then we, the Philistines, will serve you, Israel. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you will be our servants. I defy the armies of Israel this day, there he is. Give me a man that we may fight together. So he said this twice a day for 40 days, and for 40 days, not one voice answered him back. Wow. See, see, you can never let the devil, never let the devil have the last word. Come on. Yeah. Je- Jesus didn't ignore the devil. Jesus said, it is written. So our, our job is not to pretend Satan's not doing something. And not, uh, 18 years ago, I was in Laguna Beach on vacation. Be careful where you take your kids on vacation. They might end up moving there when they grow up. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I was at the hospital there, 
And they diagnosed me with a very uh, serious uh, terminal cancer, stage four. And they said, it doesn't look like we can operate. We could try some things. And he's talking, he's going through the, the spill. And I leaned across the table and I said, excuse me, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. That's Psalm 118, verse 17. And I'd been meditating on that verse for some reason. I didn't even know I was sick. It was just was in me. And it came out of me. When the doctor said, there's like a 95% chance that you will die from this, the, the Spirit of God rose up in me, and I said, not so fast, sir. I appreciate your factual knowledge, but I have some faith and some revelation. Here's what's going to happen. And he, he said, it, I love doctors, and I wasn't belittling him. It, it kind of stupefied him. He said, excuse me, I said, I shall not die but live. Well, they found cancer. It was there, blah, blah, blah. Six months later, it's all gone. All gone. So Goliath said, give me someone to fight. It was a common practice in antiquity for champions to represent armies. It made sense to both sides, especially if you were convinced your champion could defeat the other. So instead of losing 100,000 men, you could have these two champions fight in their place. And so no one answered back. And Saul, verse 11 says, when he heard these words, and all the men of Israel, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Well, they were terrorized would be a great word. They were greatly afraid. They were struck. The word dismayed is an incredible Hebrew word, hatat. It means to be shattered, to be broken. To break someone down by either violence, confusion, or fear. It's the portrait of psychological abuse. When someone's abused either physically, psychologically, or, at, or, or intentionally by a system. So it speaks of the power of demonic strongholds that try to control regions by fear. We found out during the pandemic they've been looking for something, you know, for a long time, the, the secular uh, uh, chieftains, the, the, the secular princes of this generation, they want to know how to control people. Well, they found the secret to control people is fear. So that, that, that healthy people will do crazy things because they're afraid. And I, I never want to make fun of, you know, someone wearing a mask in a car alone, whatever. I, I just feel uh, sad for them. Because fear, the Bible says, has torment. Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear torment. And... I, I just feel bad, and so we want to represent fearlessness yes, yes, in, in my city. Everyone's talking about our church because we, opened, we were the first church in Phoenix to open during the pandemic by many, many, many months, and everyone else was still, you know, afraid. We just opened up, and, you know, we, did, we you know, God blessed it. Nothing went wrong. Uh, the church grew. We had our best two years ever. And uh, all glory to God. Okay, so, so the Philistines talking, no one is answering back. And, and a little boy, a teenage boy, let's say he's 15. He's in his early mid-teens. And David is the eighth son of Jesse. And he has older brothers that are grown men. And three of these older brothers are in the army, Israeli army. And he's, he was asked and tasked by his father to bring them lunch. And so he's, he's bringing supplies, you know, food supplies to his brothers. And he walks up at the moment Goliath is giving his afternoon speech. 
his, his sermon. He walks right up when CNN is on the television or ABC or whatever. He's, that he's hearing all these things that I'm going to kill you. You're going to die. Who are you? Your God's not. He hears all that. And he's offended, rightly offended, because when something's wrong and you're healthy, it makes you angry and you want to fix it. When we tolerate things that are wrong, it's because we're either apathetic, uh, dispassionate, or broken, or backslidden. But when we see something's wrong and we're walking with God, our first instinct is we got to fix that. We need to heal that. We need to deliver that. That's David is righteously angry. And he says, what you get for killing that guy? And they said, well, you get no taxes. He said, you're no taxes. Bingo. He said, well, you get the, the king's daughter. I don't know how interested he was yet in the king's daughter, but he, the money thing, oh. He kept asking, and, and, and they kept repeating. And, and finally, it started spreading. There's a kid here asking about what you get for the reward. So his older brother, Eliab, hears about it and tells him to pipe down. He says, who do you think you are? You know, you're you're acting like you could do something about this, but you can't really do anything. He said, why have you come down here? Who, in whose hands did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know the pride and insolence of your heart. You've come down just to watch the battle. And David said, what have I done? Is there not a cause? So David said, you don't get it. The cause is greater than your offense about my vocabulary. But here's a couple of things. People that have faith will always offend people that live in fear. David, David, David didn't talk about how big and dangerous Goliath was. David talked about how great and mighty God is. Don't talk fear, talk faith. So David's talk, he's standing out because he's the only person out of this massive congregation of men that is talking that way. And so he talks his way all the way into the presence of Saul. But let me just touch about Eliab for a minute. So David wrote one of the greatest uh, uh, pieces of human literature is the 27th Psalm. It is both in Hebrew language when you read it and in English, it is, it is poetic. It is so beautiful. It, it begins but with David saying, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, but whom shall I be afraid when a thousand fall on my left hand, ten thousand my right hand? I won't be moved. I won't be afraid. One thing have I desired that I am, and that will I seek all the days of my life, that I may dwell in God's house for the rest of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in the secret place of his pavilion. It waxes so beautiful. And then he interrupts this revelatory praise with a moment of brutal honesty. And he says in verse 10, when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will lift me up. Hebrew tradition says David was the product of an adulterous affair by one of his parents. There's mystery about which one, and I suppose that's not important. And he is treated by mostly his father, and by all of his brothers illegitimately. He's treated 
like an unwanted stepchild, like a, you don't really belong to us. In fact, when the prophet came to anoint the next king at Jesse's house, Jesse brought seven of the sons. They're standing there in their chronological order. But the, the, the anointing oil wouldn't flow, and, and Samuel says, I know I'm in the right house. Don't you, do you have another son? And Jesse says, yeah, yeah, I got that little mistake, that little, that little accident. And he's out there. He's a little strange. He writes poetry, plays music, and, and lies about killing animals. And <laughs> Samuel said, we won't sit till he comes. The moment David walked in, Samuel said, you're the one. God's chosen you. And God chose a boy that had been rejected by his family. In the previous chapter, chapter 16, King Saul is demonized. He's oppressed by a demonic agent because he so rebelled against God's will. The Spirit of God lifted off of him, and then he became oppressed by demonic entities. And, but, and so whenever they brought David, because David was a skilled worshiper before he was an accomplished warrior. And David would worship on his harp, and when he did, the demonic powers would leave Saul's mind, and he would have peace and rest. So David learned about warfare in the spirit before he learned about warfare in the natural. So there's so many things. When a leader is gripped by fear, he unleashes terror to the people he leads. All of Israel is under the terror of this demonic entity because their king is afraid. So David keeps talking. Finally, they bring him to Saul. And Saul says, man, I appreciate your passion. Taps him on the head. Man, you're a great kid. You know, we appreciate. But that guy over there, he was your size about four years old. He, <laughs> he, he's 11 foot tall. He's a monster. And David said, well, before you tell me I can't do this, let me tell you my story because I have a testimony. And he said this, I used to keep my father's sheep and when a lion or a bear would come and take one of the lambs, I would go after it, strike it, deliver the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. Your servants killed both a lion and a bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he's defied the armies of the living God. David said, you don't understand, it's not a battle between just me and him. It's a battle between heaven and hell. Anybody on God's side could win this battle. So David, David says, my testimony. Now, everyone here has a testimony. There's power in your testimony. Don't forget what God did for you yesterday when you're facing today's battle. Rehearse and remind yourself and speak over yourself and speak to others. Every time you share your testimony, the grace that gave it to you is activated to pour into other people's lives. God will do for others what he did for you. God gives us testimonies so that we'll share them, not just experience them. And when we share them, there's a multiplication of that grace in, uh, into our lives. So David shares his testimony, and he shares about uh, what God had done for him. And because of that, he finally convinces Saul to entrust him to go to the battle. And so I just want to say to you, there's a beautiful, unusual, and powerful cultural DNA in awakened church to slay giants, to slay Goliath. And the reason why God has brought you to 
this community of believers is because you're called to be a giant slayer too. And, and so all of us have these unique testimonies. And so, so here's how it works. The victories we win in our private lives when no one is watching will give us platforms of influence to win victories in our public life when everyone is watching. Everybody here has lions and bears roaming through the secret and private parts of your life. When you can kill the family stronghold, David killed that spirit of rejection that tried to kill him. David conquered things in the secret place. He conquered things on the hills of Bethlehem. He defeated his daddy's devil. He conquered things that were affecting the family. And then God promoted him to conquer things. If you can defeat your family devil, you can help defeat America's devil. If you can defeat the stronghold that's gripped your home, you can defeat the stronghold in Salt Lake City. Well, Pastor, no one knows about me. I, I, I promise you, God does. David was rejected by his family. God found him. God will always find you when you're ready. When you're ready, he will always find you in the predestined counsel of our sovereign God. He has chosen you to be alive in this moment of history. Every believer that is alive today on this planet has been predestined to be a Holy Ghost anointed Bible believing, sold out, radical for Jesus, in time giant slayer. Someone shout, I'm a giant slayer. I, I wonder, Pastor Madden, Lord, I wonder how many other pastors God's, God asked before you guys to do this here, before I wake it up. I wonder how many other people, and for, and for multitudes of reasons, for personal reasons, for fearful reasons, for other things, and the reason why I'm, you know, Jesus Christ healed me. So, so here's my testimony, and I'm going to pray for some folks. I've been married 43 years. I've been in ministry 44 years. I started when I was two. That's why I don't look my age. And uh, I started my first church when I was 27. By the time I was 37, it was 5,000 members. And the weekend in Scottsdale, Arizona, my boyhood hometown, we were building our first building, a 4,800-seat auditorium. It was about two-thirds of the way up, a massive, uh, uh, you know, four-and-a-half-stories high, massive building. And our church treasurer in August of 1995 embezzled $20 million. So we took all of our money, and uh, 2,000 of our families, we had our monies in his, you know, his investment companies, similar to savings and loans. And uh, he went to prison and I went to depression. Our church grew from 5,000 to about 140. That's the wrong way in the chart. We had 10 front page stories, headlines front page stories. I had six lawsuits, 15 concurrent attorneys at the same time covering such a broad spectrum of legal issues. We spent usually four or five hours a day in legal offices. Uh, our family lost their home. We were homeless for 10 months. 
My oldest son started doing drugs and alcohol. He was 12, already a great athlete. But, but my children were heartbroken and that's how he started medicating. I became clinically and manically and suicidal depressed for two and a half years. I know I was depressed because I was finishing my PhD in psychology. So I laid on my own couch and said, sir, you're very sick. I said, I know I'm sick, back off, Jack. And uh, all that happened, I was 37, thought my life was over. And uh, here, here's what I found out. When hope walks out, depression walks in. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred will make your heart sick. But when desire, when hope realized comes, it's a tree of life. And hope is the oxygen of the human soul. We suffocate without it. I found out when my heart stopped dreaming, I started dying. It became, I got so depressed, I wrote 12 songs. You guys would be proud of me. I wrote a, a country western album. And uh, honest, honest truth. So the joke is I hate country music and it's, apparently you can get so depressed you turn country. Just, just saying, just, just saying. And uh, if you like country, my, I, I love my daughter-in-law is our executive pastor, her and my son, I, and, and, she, and she's converted my son to country music, one of the worst things that's ever happened in the, the history of the Maiden family. And uh, all those bad things happened, and the Lord said to me one day, Michael, would you like the pain that you feel to go away? And I said, funny you mentioned that, Lord. Yes, I would. Uh, in fact, I made a list of some people. If you would please kill everyone on this list. Um, Old Testament, New Testament, your kingdom come, your, however you want to. And here's the sentence that changed my life, healed my life, and gave me a second chance. He said, Michael, if you will forgive the people that have hurt you, I will make you forget the pain they've caused you. There's a man in the Bible named Joseph, betrayed by his family, betrayed by his boss, and he named his firstborn son Manasseh, which means to forget. And here's what I found out. So I, so I did. I fast forward. I forgave them, and God healed my heart. God took all the trauma out. In fact, he gave me love for the people who broke my heart. Only Jesus can do that. And... I began to crawl out of depression and began to dream again a little bit with God and get, get more and more. Then God told me how to prophesy my, my son who was then 20 out of addiction into his destiny and God set him free. Everything I lost, God gave back to us. We started another church um, 19 years ago called Church for the Nations, right in the same town and God's we got a bunch of campuses. God gave us a $40 million campus for free. All those things happened. You could come and see it. It's really there. And so here's my point. Pastor, how did that happen? Just a couple of things. I did, a, I did a bunch of things wrong. Here's what I did right. I didn't quit. That's about it. That's about it. Now, beyond that, I became a really good forgiver. And I stopped praying for justice, and I started praying for mercy. I just, I just entered into that. It's just, it's just, it's so great to have an enemy's list with no one on it but the devil. Yeah.
Okay? So great. Pastor, don't you have people that hate you? Of course I do. I just don't hate them back. You can't make me your enemy. Maybe you feel that way. I'm sorry. Jesus said, I got to love you. I love you. Okay? So Jesus healed me and helped me. Now, here's what I said. So all that happened before anything happened in, you know, the public world. So in my city, God gave us this massive comeback. And people come to church. They'll they'll be filled there today. And they will just come to see the church that no one thought could have a comeback. And it all happened because I killed a lion and a bear. And I had to kill the spirit of depression. I had to go after rejection that was already, that was deep in me before it. I had to wage war against a family spirit, against my daddy's devil, all the powers. And when I conquered the wild beast of my nature and conquered the wild beasts of my history, God gave me a Goliath to take in my city. And it's been amazing, amazing. God will use you for incredible things. You defeat the thing the devil's trying to ruin your family with. You, you go after it, let God use you. And when God gives you a testimony, no one can take my testimony. I am a witness. I once was blind, now I see. I once was suicidally depressed. But last story I'll tell is my, I'm a devoted uh, grandpa and I just spoil my grandkids rotten. And I think I'm just getting back at my kids doing that, but it's just, here's, oh, you can't have chocolate at your house? Oh. Here's chocolate for you. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So, my grandchildren only know a happy poppy. They're, they're now up to 17 down to four. They only know. So I was watching a few years ago, a movie came out called Frozen. And uh, so I know everything's happening in their world. So my two granddaughters, every time I'd watch them, they'd, I'd, I'd say, what do you girls want to do? We want to watch Frozen. Oh, that's great. We've only seen it 86 times. But if, if you want to see it again, I will watch it with you. And they're like, Papi, don't turn your head. You're going to miss this part. I know it's coming. I remember that. I remember the uh, the part. There's a song in Frozen called Let It Go. And I watched the movie so many times that I'd lay in that bed and say, Jesus, please let it go. Take that song out of my brain, please. Heal, Heal my brain. I was watching the movie in London. Sierra Maiden, she's 14 now, but she would have been about four. She jumps across the couch right in the middle of the movie. She grabs my cheeks. She squeezes me. She says, Poppy, you're the funnest person in the whole world. That's going on my tombstone. Here lies the funnest person in the whole world. And only, only Jesus can do that. I've taken too much time. Would you please stand up and we're going to, I just want to pray for you. I so believe in this. I so believe in the God of the comeback. That's the title of my book. I wrote two years ago, God of the comeback. I, I so, I'm so convinced that if he could do it for me, he most positively could do it for you. 
You say, Pastor, I've been fighting discouragement, maybe depression. Maybe you're just emotionally exhausted. Maybe you're fighting high anxiety. You're just fighting something right now. Would you give me a chance to pray for you before I head, head home? Just hold up your hand and say, Pastor, I've been fighting some discouragement or depression. Thank you for your honesty. If we, if we reveal it, Christ will heal it. That's the deal. And I'm going to ask the folks around these beautiful men. Just keep your hand raised. I'm going to ask the folks around them to help me pray for them and just stretch your love toward them. Father, we pray for our sisters and our brothers today that, that are so loved. They are so loved. You know every detail of their story. Nothing's escaped you. You know every tear that's fallen down their cheek. You know every trauma they or their family has endured. You see it all, but you are able to heal it all. So we declare today a miracle Sunday for these. We declare it's comeback Sunday. It's new start, new beginning. And God, I pray that hope would live again. Hope would sprout its branches and grow its fruit and that these would dream again. You know your heart's healthy when it dreams again. God, let them dream again. Let them see what they were created to see. Let them dream, God, the dreams they were created to dream. God, we bind the devil who's a filthy liar. Let every lie be uprooted like a weed from the garden of their heart so their hearts are free from every deception of the enemy. We break generational curses. And God, I thank you that whatever and however they need healing, you, you know how to do it. Thank you, God. Everything changes. Here's what I just saw. Everybody look for a minute. I saw the year this year like cut in half. And, and I saw the Lord say this. Tell them the second half of this year is going to be so much better than the first half of this year. So I just want to say this to you. You that are standing, you that are receiving prayer. That's what God can do. That's what God can do. You're going to be the comeback kid. Come on, high-five someone and say, I'm going to be the comeback kid. Tell them, tell them that. <laughs> Lastly, part of the beautiful dynamics of the culture of this church is worship. Worship is so important. I believe, you know, I, I'm a psychologist. I don't really counsel, but I have degrees. I could. I believe the greatest therapy on the greatest healing therapy on this planet is worship. Worship heals, and the faster we worship, the faster we heal. Worship takes us places we don't deserve to be and gives us things we don't deserve. David had a New Testament experience under the Old Testament covenant because he was a worshiper. Worship took him places. My children, even with a broken heart, every night of their lives would hear their father, sometimes at one in the morning, go to the piano and pour out my heart to God. If we keep worshiping, God will keep healing. It's been an honor to, to be with you. Thank you for listening to me. My time's up. I've gone too long, Pastor. But thank you so much. I'll do anything else you would like me to do. But. Uh, How many people just feel the sweet presence of God? Yeah. 
How many people would maybe, Pastor Mike, are you up to praying for a few people? Oh, just course. how you feel led? Yeah. I think we, I don't want to rush the moment. I had a couple couples got put on my heart to pray for. And then honestly, I just want to open it up. If you want to pray for, if you feel led to pray for anyone, you can. Uh, but could the Mimits come up? Could the Millers come up? And could uh, Ava call? Chris and Sarah Mimit come up. Ava call come up. And then thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. You guys, just just keep praying. Uh, you don't have to stand during this whole time. Just join us in prayer. Would you stretch your hands if you're sitting toward this couple or standing? Lord, we thank you. For, uh, your, your names? Oh, Ted, this is Lynn. Ted and Lynn? Yep. Well, thank you for Ted and Lynn. Thank you for your love for them, God. Thank you. First of all, Ted, it's amazing how hard you've worked. It's amazing. I see like this room filled with trophies, like life achievement trophies. That only, it was just like pure hard work, pure committed effort, per, pure perseverance. And your, your example is really heroic. And any father would be proud of you. And your heavenly father's like, man, he's, Ted's an amazing man. He celebrates you, honors you. And when we, when we do things right and things go wrong, it creates a cognitive dissonance. We don't, how to, what's going on? I just want to say God's fighting for you today. He's fighting your behalf. The devil owes you. The devil's taken too much. He owes you. I saw three things, one family, two business. The devil just kind of wreaking havoc. I declare this is your restoration time. God's breathing on every part of your life. So there's no, no part of your story that God's not interested in. And you, you broke through so many family issues and stuff in your side of the family, and now that you've created this blessing, but you ain't seen nothing yet. So the, you and your wife have really handled the last four, four and a half, five years really well, maturely and godly. And, you know, the devil thought it would, you know, things would happen. It's actually made you stronger as a couple, stronger in faith. And now, now it's reward time. Just watch what God does. Toward the end of this year, toward the spring of next year, all kinds of things, victories, 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 testimonies are lining up for you. And God's not done. This is going to be the, the most satisfying season of your life. You were made for this time. There's a leadership gift on you for the community, for this culture. You can talk almost in any environment. People listen to you. And your voice will be heard. And God's, God's giving you a remedy for making things right. So you married an amazing woman, a, war, a warrior in the spirit, and God's super proud of you, sister. So you have the you have the unusual traits of being kind and fierce at the same time, and you've not let life taint you or turn you to someone else. You just became so strong in the spirit, and. You know, like David, sometimes we become strong out of necessity because the battles, our kids, whatever is going on. And God's just proud of the faith. For both of you, there's a little exhaustion. Just It's like a marathon. So God's replenishing your resources mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. You're going to feel, you're going to feel like yourselves again. I saw you, it was something, you both look very healthy, but sister, I saw you shake off something. So physically this thing you're going to shake off this thing and bounce back really quickly because you and him are going to live long and, and be strong okay going to do a lot of cool things in life there is the devil was particularly incensed against you 
because of the prophetic clarity of discerning and uncovering deceptions. And so the devil doesn't like it when we find his seek, you know, we uncover stuff. But every place the devil's tried to attack you guys, God's gonna give you a victory. There's coming a massive wave of family salvations and they're coming one after another. And it's just a timing. They've watched, you know, people watch us. Sometimes they watch us when we're in our most intense seasons. They watch us the closest. Just watch what God does next. So God, thank you for all you're doing. Let the, let the legacy spiritually, naturally for this family, let it God grow off the charts. Bless them in every way. I'm saying miracles to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, loving God. The heartache and just the last thing, the heartache and two women, one of, one of the women, it's pretty severe. God's healing brokenhearted women because you let God heal you. Your victories are unleashing wonderful things. God, thank you for what you're doing. Hi guys, how you doing? Sarah. Chris and Sarah. Sarah. You graduated today, yeah? From, yeah, thank you for serving the church as an intern. Um, would you stretch your hands toward this, Chris and Sarah? God, thank you for this amazing couple. Thank you for their story, their faith, their love for you, their love for each other. Thank you for what you've done, God. And, uh, you know, for, I just want to say both of you, God finds so much pleasure in both of you. Because the, I, I saw you, like, jump out of a three-story building that was on fire. The devil thought he, he had taken you out. You're a walking, breathing, talking miracle man. And the, 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 the destruction around family environments and around things that you were part of, God wouldn't let the devil have you. So you're gonna help people get out of things the devil thinks they can't get out of. You're gonna help people break out of prisons and deceptions and traumas. And God's anointed you to have a supernatural faith for miracles. So both for people's lives, life testimonies miracles, but then for physical miracles. You're gonna be the miracle man, Chris. You're gonna be the miracle man, okay? You're gonna see God. You know, God honors faith. He honors faith when it comes to miracles. And you just keep going crazy with faith. You keep believing God, declaring things. Let your faith be so strong you scare the rest of the people, okay? By you're saying what God's gonna do. The Lord's healing both. So I saw three women and two men. God's, God's healing people in your family. God cares about everyone. He cares about everyone in the orbit of our lives. You keep going on with God. Some really cool things are gonna happen. I think in a broad way in your family. So not just the nuclear family come from, but it all crossed. Some really good influences are gonna happen. The creative gift of you is coming alive. Some really good stuff's coming alive. Yeah. Just like one after another. God, thank you for this. Um, so it's amazing. Um, part, of the, part of the reason you found each other was you both have, have such great testimonies. And there was like a, a, a symmetry. Wow, you know, look what God's done for both of us. And, you know, sister, God's given you such courageous faith. I just want to say, there's something, the prophetic part of you is coming so activated. You're going to see a child and just start prophesying over them about what they're going to do in life and about great things. And when they get old, they're going to remember your voice. There's a tender but powerful uh, tone in your voice. And God's going to punish the devil for trying to hurt you as a child by helping other children. And you're going to see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle.
in children's and then in, in older kids' lives. So God, thank you for all you're doing in this amazing couple. And thank you, God. The last thing is this, for both of you, more, more numeral on your side, more numeric on your side, I break the curse of mental infirmities out of your families and I declare miracles to people bound by them. Heal them and deliver them all, God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Awesome. Hello. Abe. Abe. We got Abraham right here. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Stretch your love toward this amazing man. So it's impossible not to like you. You make people that don't like you eventually like you because you drive them crazy with uh, joy. You're, you have such a resilient spirit. You've overcome. There's so much you've overcome you don't even talk about. And people don't even know some of the scars that you don't even, some of the stuff you've been through, uh, some of it was uh, racial prejudice, some of it was religious, some of it was family. There's almost no area of life that you didn't go through some intensity. But here you are loving Jesus. Here you are loving people, happy and free. What a trophy of grace and of Jesus Christ you are, sir. God celebrates you. He loves us all the same. He dislikes you a little more and thinks you're amazing and awesome. And the, I saw like this whole shelf of alcohol be torn down. You broke the curse of addiction in your family. You're the curse breaker. You're the man who would not be bound by what other men were bound by. Your family is blessed because of what you conquered and have overcome. And in this land, you will be blessed. I loosen the physical land to bless you. I command the land to bless you. I command this territory to give its blessing to you. I loosen inheritance and favor to you. And you will be planted like an oak tree, spreading your branches wide. And, you, and people will say, look what God has done. God bless this amazing man every way. In Jesus' mighty name. Last thing is this. Two cities, both of them south, one of them across the border. God's touching family, family, family. God's doing miracles for you in a, in a wide spectrum of care. Your victories, even though you're not hearing about things, they're rippling across your family. Yeah, you just keep going on with God. He's going to do amazing things in your life. God bless you, sir. God bless you, Ed. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.